Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is a Lip Media Podcast. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to The Gays Are Revolting, a definitive weekly news source for contemporary gays. We put the G in LGBTQIA+, and we're here to help you be the best G you can be. Follow us on Instagram at Gaze Revolting Pod, Twitter at Gaze Revolting, or join our Facebook group at The Gaze Revolting. And don't forget to support our show and listen to weekly bonus chats by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash Gaze Revolting Pod. Hello, everyone. Oh, we're back. Hi. It's our last episode for the year. Thank oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit happy. And we're going to have a little bit of a break after this episode. Mm, so yes. listen carefully and get all the Gaze Revolting love you need from because this Because Mikey's yeah. been working so hard so on the show. Two episodes going He's on like, anyway. I might travel. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> are you excited for Christmas? Absolutely. Well, yeah. I'm excited mainly because we've got a shit ton of live shows lined yeah. up for the yeah. future. We have Sydney. Mm-hmm. We yeah. do. Mardi Gras. For Mardi Gras, it's yes. officially part of their printed booklet. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. We had like a big oh, picture. So we have a picture February 28th at the Giant Dwarf Theatre in Redfern. We oh, will be yes. Melbourne midsummer. That's on the 7th yeah. of Feb 2020 at, at the, the Melbourne Spiegel <laughs> Tent in yeah. Circus Tent. Yeah. And the most exciting oh. thing, of course, is my live solo show, which you're all coming to because mm. I'm giving you free And that's all we have time for. <laughs> <laughs> and on to the show. <laughs> <laughs> and we do have a ex- really exciting episode. We have... Yeah. Uh, I think it's a, a, a super interesting chat coming up. Yeah, yeah. Chris Dietzel, who's who's a, a scholar who's uh, doing research into consent and dating apps, which is a, a fascinating mm. new realm, really. He's lifting the pedigree of our show. Absolutely, oh, yeah. <laughs> By mentioning just pedigree, mentioning. we are a pack of dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we saw we had a fun weekend. Tom we and did. I, I was a. Uh, my work Christmas party mm-hmm. yes. uh, one of few homosexuals and we got kicked out of the venue <laughs> and we were on Smith Street so I said why don't we just go across to Circuit and have yeah. a dance where I live Love yeah <laughs> yeah. and I obviously hadn't thought through that whole decision making process because within about five minutes of being there Tom was like hey dog <laughs> well, I was there for a friend's birthday and, uh, here's uh, some you know, something I fucking love <laughs> about Melbourne is that uh, we love Kylie Minogue so much yeah. that we can have an entire night an dedicated, entire dedicated to Kylie to Minogue. so it was bar mm. Kylie was happening at Circuit on the weekend and uh, it's literally they just play Kylie Minogue songs all night long they used to and the other amazing thing is that Kylie has the uh, the discography discogra- Discography. Discography Is that the word? Yeah. <laughs> there is enough songs to play an entire night uh, And it was heaven So of course by the time Luke rocked up I was cooked as fuck but, uh, <laughs> We had a fun night didn't we? And Ruby Slippers was there uh, Karen from Finance Karen was there Finance Yeah I remember, there. I remember Lisa Mann was there I was, was out on the same night On the other side of town and I remember getting a phone call yeah. from you as I was getting out my Uber. To, like, you were out on a Saturday night in Melbourne. Gee, yeah. where could you have been? <laughs> was it Poof Door? <laughs> yeah, and you called me at like 5.30 a.m. Yeah. I'm, like, I- I'm actually just going to bed. And you're like, you should yeah. come to kick on. So like, Maybe not this time. <laughs> I had a lovely night in and I watched Pirates of the Caribbean. So. <laughs> oh, no, You've been one? traveling around the world for six months. You can have it. Mikey's catching up on his queer cinema by watching <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> one to four. 
So today we are joined by Chris Dietzel, a visiting scholar from Canada conducting research at Swinburne University exploring sexual consent among LGBTQ plus people, specifically related to dating app use. Ooh. Thanks so much for joining Ooh. us, Thank Chris. You for coming Thank you for having in. me. It's my pleasure to be here. This is fascinating stuff. It's, it's new yeah. ground. Yeah. It's yeah. new ground and I think it's an important conversation because we're figuring it out as we go sort yeah. of thing yeah. as to what is... What our boundaries are and and what the standards are. So thank and you I, so much for coming in. Yeah. Thanks so much. And I think it's really exciting that places like Swinburne are putting money into this sort of research because I think it's stuff that's really we're going to see the effects of later on. So it's great mm. that they're doing research about this sort of stuff now. Yeah, it's really been fun. I have to admit, I didn't see myself studying dating apps when I yeah. thought I was going to be yeah. doing a PhD. I've studied them pretty <laughs> yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, <laughs> haven't we all? Even right? any of my notes, the I personal, can pass them political, on. <laughs> professional. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. You study what you're good at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's been quite fun. You know, it's it's not what my background was in. But as you as you mentioned, Luke, it's really, really interesting. And I think it's going to be quite good moving forward because we're mm. figuring this out as we go. Mm. And although I am doing a degree in this and I've, I'm working on a project that's looking at dating apps, it's not to say we've got everything figured out. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. part of it is just to, to start the conversation yeah. and to get people thinking critically about these issues. So mm. I'm interested as to why you picked Melbourne as a place is it because tom and i have caused <laughs> havoc on grinder in the, the yeah well you years. know when i heard about the gays are revolting we're in melbourne i was like oh i have to go <laughs> where else could i go yeah, so I'm doing my PhD at McGill University in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been there for the, for the past four years. I'm only two years into my PhD, or th- mm-hmm. third year now. But uh, I specifically, I actually joined a research project in, uh, in Montreal that looks at sexual violence against uh, different communities. Mm. And my research, when I joined this project, I realized that there wasn't really much of focus on queer communities or queer relationships. Okay. You know, as much as there has been studies about male sexual assault or different communities who are like, quote unquote, vulnerable populations... The, the research didn't reflect the realities of people's yeah. experiences nowadays, mm-hmm. which is mainly that you connect through apps or you connect mm-hmm. online. Actually, it kind of came up in a, in a conversation that I had with some friends. We were lamenting over the, the difficulty in dating. And one of my friends was talking about how it was actually a woman. And she was like, I'm really interested in this guy, but I'm not sure how it's going to go because he sent me an unsolicited dick pic. And it's okay. just part of the dating experience and I'm not really interested yes. in it. And yes. so on and so on. And then we started talking and we kind of recognized that unsolicited dick pics tend to be uh, understood as just a part of the dating app experience. Like, yeah, it's just something you have to go through, Mm. you know, like walking through the weeds in order to get to where you want to go. But then I realized that, you know, recognizing that there wasn't much research in the area, as well as how do we actually think about the interactions that we're having online, I started to decide that this is something that I wanted to research. Mm. So anyway, this is a long-winded way of saying (laughs) that I've been doing this research for the past couple of years connected with a few people in Melbourne at uh, at a conference that I recently went to. And interestingly enough, there's a huge community of people in Australia who study dating apps. Mm-hmm. Oh, and wow. so, ah. yeah, big community of people studying dating apps. Is that who the guy knew? that messages you on Grindr and says, can you come over for a study <laughs> if you lay on this table? Have you ever got that one and you lay on the table? And the, doctor the, the, guy. the doctor is yeah, open the, guy. The doctor is open guy. Is that I, the guy? No, well, that is not me. I've if that's <laughs> <laughs> I've got some fascinating stuff for you to read. Because I have a few questions about those nights. Yeah. It is interesting. Like ten years ago, when when dating apps sort of started, mm. it seemed like such a temporary thing yeah. that you know, and it, it's become so ingrained in our lives. And even the dick pics thing. I mean, mm. I'm really impressed that Grinder has now introduced an option where you can say whether you're happy to receive. Oh dick yeah, pics. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So your options are yeah. um, uh, yes, like 100 yeah, yeah. of the time. Ask me first, or okay. com- no, completely not. Not yeah. at first. Or yeah, not at first. Yes, and then, please, yeah. not at first. Yeah, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, so it's interesting because the idea of consent has certainly become much more mainstream in recent years, Mm -hmm. partially fueled by the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. But I think it's quite interesting that Grindr has very recently, I think it was only in the last six months that they added this to the software because it's been around since 2009. So in 2019, it's been around a decade. Uh, No way. Yeah. Oh my God. On one hand, I think it's signaling that they recognize that this is part of public discourse right now. Mm -hmm. They recognize that this is an issue that people have and they want to address it. Mm -hmm. However, I also think that it's more of a marketing ploy as much as it's beneficial to the app users. 
none of this information is readily accessible through the app. If you mm -hmm. go online, you actually yeah. get an understanding of what consent is. Yeah. And even on the app itself, it doesn't even define what NSFW picks True, are. Yeah. So you have to have a cultural yeah. language, like a cultural understanding of what this even means. Mm. Yeah. Although there is value in the sense that it, it now offers the opportunity for people to say yes, no, or maybe, essentially. Mm -hmm. This is this is a very kind of one-on-one -on -one off. So either you're always interested in accepting dick pics or yeah. you're yeah, never yeah. interested in accepting dick pics. Whereas, you know, based on the person or maybe how horny you are, mm -hmm. a bunch of different factors, it really could change the experience that you have on the app. Yeah. So while I do think it is a very, very good step, I think there's much more that individuals have to do in the culture of the app and changing mm -hmm. their interactions to mm -hmm. make this something that changes the actual the culture of yeah. communities. Which is a right? hard thing to drive because essentially you're dealing with people that are sitting at home, sometimes anonymously, yeah. or at least with that filter of not having to be in person. Mm. So how do you sort of change people's We're uh, sitting right behavior? <laughs> well, so to, to give an analogy of what it could be like, I don't know if you are familiar with a Kinder campaign that happened with Grindr. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. what's your take on it? I on I haven't used Grinder in so long. Oh, okay, like, so this is like, <laughs> like never really affected me okay. whatsoever. I feel like the like, kind of campaign was a back was them yeah. trying to make up for the fact that they put on the filters about it being able to filter down to race yeah. and that sort of stuff, which a lot of people were really upset about. Well, so that was a that was a public campaign that they launched in 2018, mm. if I remember mm. correctly. And so what they did is they actually changed the interface of the app for a series of months. When you look in the little text box, instead of saying say something dot dot dot, what they did is they changed that so in the text box before you write text it would say say something nice dot 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 yeah oh, okay. and so ah, they tried to okay. integrate it into the actual software of the app mm -hmm. in order to encourage this community of being more respectful and Positive. more exactly yeah however if you look at your app nowadays the word nice is removed yeah and oh, so Again, on one hand, I think having a campaign is really good to get the conversation started. It doesn't necessarily change the culture. Yeah. You know, you still have people who say no fats, no femmes, no Asians. Yeah. There's a lot of transphobia. There's a lot of misinformation, misunderstandings. Mm -hmm. And this is where I think to have a broader conversation around the community is necessary. Absolutely. It's not to say that this is Grindr's fault. I just, yeah. and they're doing as much as they can. But I also think it, it means that we as individuals who use apps like Grindr have a responsibility to actually make the, these changes mm, yeah. part of our culture. I think yeah. our standards as a community in the way that we interact with each other are quite loose at the moment. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And they're quite blurry. Yeah. And, and I've always thought we need to hold each other more accountable. Mm, yeah. We've talked about consent on this show before and it was a big topic as a growing community and one that's mm. finding a place in a, a broader sense globally. We do need to hold hold each other yeah. accountable. Yeah. I guess, yeah, it's just, it's easier to do when you're sitting in a group, physical mm -hmm. group setting rather than dealing with people sitting in their bedroom or their living room or... If I ever get that, I message back and say, that's not... Yeah. That's not cool. Yeah. yeah. Don't mm -hmm. ever do that to me. Yeah. And think about it the next time you do that to someone else. Mm. Yeah. And it's the same way we've talked about bullying before being mm -hmm. like, if you don't say anything, yeah. you're allowing someone to do it to someone else. Yeah. Sure. And, and I know that's a lot of responsibility to put on an individual mm. Yeah. But for some of us, it's okay to take on that responsibility. Mm -hmm. And for yeah. me, I'm like, hey, I didn't appreciate that. I'm sure a lot of people also don't. Mm. So then my values feel okay using yeah. the apps. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, and I think that's an important point that you bring up as well, because in spaces like Grindr and Tinder and such, there's actually no community, quote unquote, mm. interaction. It's all individual interactions. Except now there's like the group the group chat True, option yes. where oh, you can like there? add multiple I've never used it. <laughs> yeah, neither have you used no, it? What's but... the icon? So on oh. the top left hand corner I think it is yeah. you can like add people to a group chat to yeah. which is no. for people that want to do group sex is a great thing yeah. because if you've ever tried yeah. to organise a group on Grindr before it's so hard because <laughs> you're copying and pasting messages yeah, and, all yeah. stuff. and yeah. then like one person's fallen out and that sort of thing and so whilst I've never actually used it yet I look forward to the day that I do because it, it's uh, it's a, uh, looks like it'll be a lot easier. Yeah. Now we We've already mentioned that dating apps have obviously changed the world and, and we mm. thought they were going to be like this frivolous little thing that would hang around for a little while. But right. I feel like especially LGBTI people use it a lot more and perhaps that's because we don't get as much of an opportunity to flirt in person. And it also sometimes seems like queer people use dating apps in a completely different way as well to straight mm. counterparts. Yeah. We use Whereas it on like, public transport. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We use it little like... Yeah, <laughs> straight you're sitting on the tram with your head down trying to cover the screen <laughs> in case there's a dick yeah. pic that uh, you haven't asked for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how much Doctor we put into dating apps as a community? 
Yeah, so I think you bring up a good point in that how queer people use dating apps can be very, very different. Obviously, there's mm-hmm. going to be similar intentions or goals in terms of like trying to find partners or trying to find yeah. sex. But as queer people who are not necessarily out, who are not comfortable with their sexuality, if people are living in regional or rural areas where yeah. it might be dangerous to be out, mm-hmm. these types of apps, and when I say apps, I'm not just talking about dating apps because people also find community through Instagram or through mm-hmm. Facebook, yep. through Twitter. You know, there's other ways that you can create that sense of community. But dating apps, and other social media, essentially it allows queer people to explore their sexuality in safe ways Mm -hmm. and allows people to see queer people in ways that uh, queer people might not be otherwise visible. Mm -hmm. So really, when you you open up an app, what you are doing is you're, you're making any space queer. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. We're in a Vespa repair studio at the moment. <laughs> just made it very, very queer. Very well, yeah. yes, we've queered that space, haven't we? Yeah, but so um, for young queer people, this might be a way to explore their sexuality yeah. in terms of figuring out what they like, what they don't like, to have discussions, to take notes from other people. You know, there's there's a sense of learning that mm-hmm. happens education. through apps as well. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. An informal educational process. But largely, research has shown, as, as well as, you know, conversations you might have with friends, people use these apps to socialize, to explore, to search for sex. Obviously, this is a form of en- entertainment. Yeah. So you might be trying to pass time. It's you fun. Might be, it, exactly. It's also, a, well, I definitely think that there's differences in how straight people think about apps than queer people. Certainly, they don't have to worry about sexuality. And for straight men in particular, there's not big concerns about safety or victimization, certainly Uh, not homophobia or transphobia. Straight men are largely safe in society. So for them using apps, it's not a concern for them in any Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. Straight women don't necessarily have the social power that straight men do in society. And in relationships, straight women might be at risk for sexual violence or physical violence among other things, right? So there's a different dynamic there between straight men and straight women, where with queer people, those dynamics still exist, but it's different because you're in a kind of in a queer space, where in a queer yeah. app, you're already amongst people that should be able to relate to your similar experiences. Okay, yeah, yeah. So another interesting thing that is different about straight people using the apps versus queer people is straight people often think about Tinder as the very sexualized yeah. space, right? Yeah. Tinder is a very yeah. sexualized space. That's where you might get like Netflix and chill and like yeah. these other euphemisms to talk about how you might go online to, to find sex. However, queer people, we have so many different apps that we can (laughs) use for so many different things, right? Mm. Tinder is the more relationship-oriented one. Grindr is kind of the one where you go for hookups and sex. Mm -hmm. There's Scruff. There's Growler. You have Mr. X. There's Recon. Mm -hmm. There's so many different ones that you can go. Yeah, that's kind of a kinkster leather. Uh, Yeah, there's different ones that are supposed to serve different communities. And then there's ones that are international, like Blue Ed. Badu, there's uh, Hornet, you know, mm-hmm. there's plenty of different sites that can be used in different ways for different communities. Yes. Where straight people largely have Tinder and Bumble, Bumble. OkCupid, yeah. Coffee Meets Bagel, and mm. a lot of these tend to be, perhaps from a queer perspective, more PG yeah. than <laughs> things like Grinder or Scruff. So, like, through your research, how are you finding that queer people are managing, like, their mental health and their well-being when it comes to using apps? Yeah, I think that's a great question, and I think it's very important because as much as people might find satisfaction in using Mm. the apps, it can be a very isolating space, right? And for people who are not getting validated through the apps or who don't feel that they are socially desirable because perhaps a a lack of messages, or if people are being explicitly targeted, apps can actually be a very emotionally dangerous space for a lot of people. You can feel attacked or violated online. In terms of some strategies that people are using in order to manage their mental health and well-being, mm-hmm. our research has shown that people take breaks, they'll take time off the apps, whether that's for a few yeah. days or a week or whatever. They might delete the apps, whether that's temporarily or for a longer period mm-hmm. of time. People might also turn off notifications. Mm-hmm. So okay. instead of getting those push notifications that are like, hey, uh, you've yeah, received yeah, a yeah, message yeah. or a photo, whatever. Yeah, yeah. If you turn that off, then it can not only reduce your mm-hmm. curiosity or your interest, but it can also help people manage a type of addiction that they could have to yeah. apps, right? Mm, mm. Sure. It controls yeah. when you're allowing yourself to feel mm, yeah. some sort of way. Yeah. You know, you can... I've done that choice. with both Grindr and Facebook. Yeah. And oh, yeah. loving it. It's been yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. different. Yeah. Well, especially nowadays, there's such a push to... As much as well, everything is connected through social media and such, it's nice to be able mm. to take a break, right? Yeah, and so if you yeah. don't have notifications, it can be quite... And once it takes, a, it takes a bit of adjusting to get used to, but mm, uh, yeah. once you are used to it, 
you don't notice it anymore. Like no, you, you feel like it's something that you need to be made aware of so away, and then you don't realize it doesn't actually matter if it, you don't find out for six hours that's it. that someone's like posted on your wall. There, or, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. There's other strategies that people use in order to manage mental health and well-being, and specifically in terms of how they interact with other people online. So if, if uh, a dating app user is trying to figure out if they can trust an individual, mm. they might use other social media in order to verify the person's yeah. identity. Oh, stalking. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's one way to put it. Yeah. No, I love this kind of stuff. Sorry, Chris. No, 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 that's fine. I mean, I'll call it verification, uh, identity yeah. verification. Mm, if you mm, want to call mm. it stalking, sure. You stalked him online. Yeah. You figured out he was real. You know, like looking at somebody's Instagram or checking out their yeah. Facebook profile. Mm, mm, mm. Um, some people might swap information about snapchat in order to see if that person is actually who they say that they are right then you can take a picture in real time like holding two Mm -hmm. fingers or three fingers so that you know it's actually the individual you're chatting with so that's one thing other people might assess how reliable or trustworthy an individual is based on cues from their profile so if there's a lot of information somebody might be more reliable Mm -hmm. if there is no photo versus a photo or like a clear photo Mm -hmm. versus a blurry photo Mm -hmm. For people who are particularly concerned about discrimination and being targeted online, you know, looking at uh, the profile text or emojis or using, uh, Mm. like, assessing the information that is filled in in the Mm -hmm. person's bio to see if they are racist or sexist, uh, to see if they are discriminatory in any particular way against body, against age, against whatever. And then, of course, blocking and reporting. You know, if, yeah. if somebody is uncomfortable, if they don't like what is happening, there's there are affordances built into the to the software of the app that allow people to have more control over their experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think the conversations help drive where the apps go as well. Mm-hmm. And the louder the voices, the better. As yeah. far as reporting and that sort of stuff. In terms of reporting, uh, mm-hmm. social media yeah. saying, "Hey, this stuff is not okay." Like. Yeah. As you speak, Chris, I'm like, oh, well, I go on the apps and as a person of color, I visually see people saying no Asians or whatever. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to see that. I want yeah. to, I have a number of filters where I can block out people that have body hair, for yeah. example, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But I want a filter where I can block out people that have any offensive yes. microaggressions yeah. in their biographies, yeah, for right, example, yeah. because I don't want to be exposed to that. Yeah. When Sometimes I'm in, in, a a weird, spot. in a weird way. Way I would prefer seeing that and knowing that I just don't want anything to do with that person before we even enter into a conversation. But saying that when you don't have to experience some microaggressions is a very different thing to like. I mean, there's other microaggressions that I experience, but yes, yeah, yeah. yeah, Like, I I would rather just not. Yeah, Yeah. and Mm. and I think the kinder campaign was because enough voices were getting up being like, "There's a problem with this app." Yeah, 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 for Mm -hmm. sure. And and I feel like we're at the second phase of a kind of kinder grinder a kind of grinder <laughs> where we're starting to figure out things about consent yeah. and about people's content mm-hmm. and yep. the way they um interact with one another mm-hmm. uh, like interesting thing i've experienced is like my definition of consent when i'm on the app is very different to my levels of consent when i'm actually in person yes. yeah. with yeah. someone so i will receive dick pics and be absolutely fine with that Mm. and my consent is quite broad in an online space Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to a physical space Mm. where uh, i have like quite defined boundaries yeah have you done much research into how fluid people's ideas of consent Mm. when online versus in reality yeah, actually, so I'm writing a paper about that right now where I'm thinking about how people have defined practice, communicate, and understand consent online mm. in their interactions online, as well as if they connect with somebody online and then meet in person. Yes. And because we don't necessarily have a playbook of how to interact online and there's yeah. no mm. particular guidelines that we get to say, like, this is how you should act or how you shouldn't act online... So online interactions, people might explicitly or implicitly communicate consent, right? So an explicit version would be like if we're talking about the NSFW pics, mm-hmm. you might explicitly say, no, I'm not interested in this type of thing. Yeah. Implicitly, it might be something more along the lines of how you assess the interaction that you're having with the person. So rather than say, hey, do you want to receive a dick pic or hey, can you show mm-hmm. me your ass? 
you might send a pick and hope somebody will send you one in return. Okay. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or depending on the interaction, you know, you start with you something took it a place, a, and you see if it's okay once you've taken yeah. it there. Exactly. So you might start with a little bit of small talk, and then you talk about what you're interested in doing tonight. Do you have mm. much on this weekend? Mm. You know, it, it gradually gets more and more mm. sexual. And then if people respond to that, that could imply that they are consenting the, to the situation. And if okay. not, then you more or less have a reply that they're not interested. Yeah. What's difficult to discern is that some people might not be interested now. They might disconnect from the app. They might not be horny and see where this mm. is going and decide, oh, this isn't something I want now, but maybe later. So what's difficult about implicit consent online is that because of how apps are structured, it's it can be difficult to discern if this is somebody not consenting or if they're not interested or if it's maybe just a consequence of uh, online interactions. Mm. What is interesting is that people can message in real time, but they can, might also message like a day later or a couple days later or something, yeah. right? And so just because a message is delayed doesn't necessarily mean they're not consenting. Mm -hmm. It could be a consequence of other things. And then particular apps even have limitations on the number of messages you see. Like yeah. with Scruff, yeah. it's a free app. Yeah. Or if you're using it, the free version, you might only see a limited number of messages. So yeah. even if you're still interested in somebody, they might be pushed farther down your message feed. Yeah. And so you might still be consenting to interact with them, but you're not able to interact yeah. with them. Oh, that's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So what's difficult about implicit consent online is that you don't actually know when somebody stops when consenting. Okay. Yes. Like you can you can infer when they stop consenting based on the fact that they don't reply, but that also could be indicative of other things. And mm. so there's a difficulty in understanding not only why people are in the apps, which adds another layer of complexity. Is yep. somebody here for a relationship or for sex? But it's challenging because you don't actually have real feedback, yeah. necessarily real feedback in terms of what their feelings are. Yes. It also depends on how people perceive their online interactions. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is because people can use dating apps for a variety of reasons, such as sex or friendships or exploring sexuality, a or lot of fun. different things, or fun, passing the time if you're bored, mm. it might not be relevant to apply a consent framework to all interactions, right? Okay. Unless it's a sexual interaction, you don't necessarily have to think about consent. Mm -hmm. What's also interesting is if some people, how people think about sex if they think about the interaction online as sexual, or if they think about the interaction online as purely a conversation, they might not actually perceive their online interaction in a sexual way. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? So even if you're exchanging pics, even if you're talking about sexual compatibility, like if you're a top, a bottom, if you want to play bareback or with a condom, drugs, who's going to host, all that kind of stuff, some people might perceive that more as a negotiation of what will happen eventually offline than an actual sexual interaction online. Right, okay. yeah. Right? Some people might not even think about sex except in a physical way. 
Even though they're discussing sex. Yes. Right. Yeah. So this is where, is this a sexual conversation or is this a sexual interaction? Yeah, and right. so at what point mm. does the individual even think about consent relative to their interaction, to the in-app chat that they're mm. having? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. Find, I, yeah, that really resonates with me because I think... Am I thinking about it as a sexual experience when I'm having these conversations Mm -hmm. or is it just talking about sex? And I think for me personally, it's very much that I am just talking about sex and that's why I'm, you know, I talk about sex all the time on this podcast. It's not really an issue for me. Mm -hmm. I think it's completely valid that other people do think of it as a sexual experience, but until you've just put it into that wording, I've never really realized why those two things are different. It's really interesting. Well, they're not mutually exclusive either. Sure. One interaction could be sexual Mm -hmm. and another interaction could be completely platonic, Mm, you know? So just because, you're interacting with one person in one way in one way and another person in another way doesn't mean that consent can't be applied it's just mm-hmm. you know, to what extent are we applying consent to these online interactions yeah, mm-hmm. yeah right? fascinating yeah. yeah now speaking of my sexual prowess oh. uh, <laughs> we were talking about dick pics uh, uh, earlier I have to be honest when, when Grindr first started and as I said it was it was quite uh, new and exciting it was a decade ago it was a decade ago <laughs> yeah. I'd yeah. often be sending uh, dick pics as an opener I've yeah. taken off my old Nokia, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but but I did. And then as, uh, you know, you mentioned the, the Me Too movement and things like that have happened and as discussions about consent and what's appropriate. And also just as Grindr has become more of a mainstream thing that everybody mm. has and, and we all have these conversations in our own social groups and we become aware of what's appropriate and what's not, I've realised it's not really an appropriate thing for me to do. Um, so I've, I've, I've cut down on the opening with a dick pic. <laughs> but... I think it is definitely still a thing that happens. We all received uh, the unsolicited dick pic uh, on the mm. apps. Is this is this a normalized behavior for gay men specifically? Is this normalized as much in the in the heterosexual world? Or? I think it's getting there. Sorry, <laughs> no, please. I'm. I actually. I think this is quite interesting because. I think there's assumption, first of all, that everybody has received an unsolicited dick pic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, first of all, says something about who is both sending it as well as who's mm-hmm. receiving it. Okay. Because yeah. if somebody yeah. is sending it, most likely it's perhaps in, in your experience, Tom, it's it's to indicate desire for another person, right? Yeah. It's to show that you're yeah. interested in, like, here's why I'm interested and here's what I'm looking here's for. Here's my genitals. Yeah. yeah. Did you see that? <laughs> it's very <laughs> primordial. <laughs> But yeah, exactly. It's it's a way to kind of show off and yeah. demonstrate to somebody that you're interested. However, not everybody is going to be conventionally socially desirable, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so depending on where you are in this gay hierarchy that we have, not everybody might receive the same number of dick pics mm-hmm. or even receive dick pics at all. Yeah. In my own research, I interviewed 25 guys who use Grindr. Mm-hmm. And one of them actually said he had been on the apps for the 10 years that Grindr has been around. And he's only Why ever did received... you look at me when you said well, that? <laughs> I know, this, I, if nothing else, I think that's the one thing you're going to take away from this. 10 years on Grindr. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, he actually said that in his 10 years, he had only ever received one unsolicited dick pic. Wow. Oh, sorry. No, I mean, so, but that's just it is, I think, and not to call you out or anything, but I think we assume that everybody has received a dick pic because we assume everybody is desirable in some way. Everybody has the same experience online. And I think what we have to be aware of is that not everybody is identifying with mainstream gay culture. Mm. Not everybody Mm. uses the apps. Not everybody can relate to these experiences. And then for people who, unfortunately enough, might not be high on that gay hierarchy, Mm. they might receive fewer dick pics. Mm. Yeah, yeah. One of my clients at work, she was married forever. Like she just like joined Tinder and had been on it for six months. And she was sitting in my chair. She was on Tinder and she got a dick pic. And I was just like, oh yeah, cool, whatever. And she's like, no, I've never received one of these before. And I was just like, what? Like, what do you mean? Everyone gets a dick pic. And she's like, no, this is mm. like a weird interaction for me. And like, she kind of freaked out about it. Yeah. And it made me think like, oh, hang on a second. It's like, normalized it's, for you. It's normalized for me, but not for a lot of other people. Mm. Like, yeah. yeah. And even within the gay community, it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody has the same experience. No, right? that's it. And it's also interesting because if somebody is sending these dick pics, it could mm. be a primordial thing where you're like, I'm really interested in this individual. Uh, but it also could be a means to show off. It yeah. could be just a means to uh, like cyber flash, if you you will. Mm, mm. Some people might not actually ever want something in return, but yeah. they just like to... to Cyberflash. Yes. Well, sometimes it's it's people cutting through, like saving time, essentially, like cutting through the initial being conversation efficient. and going straight to that deep pick and being like, well, if you're not interested in that, then I'm not... Uh, let's not waste our time. Yeah, oh, for sure. I think that's yeah. definitely a reason why people do Well, that do doesn't it. make it okay. That, that... 
Well, and so this is where, in my experience, I don't think it's it's the best idea to start with an unsolicited dick mm. pic. But at the mm. same time, this is this is enough of a phenomenon that clearly people think that it is, but also that it's effective. Mm. So even if you're not receiving a, an unsolicited dick pic in a consensual way, even mm. if you didn't say you wanted it, even if you were not open to receiving it, you might still be attracted to the guy. Mm. You yeah. still might be like, well, that's a hot dick. That's yeah. a hot dude. I'm okay with this. So I think that's interesting to, to distinguish between because even if it's sent or received un- non-consensually, you might still be attracted to the person and ultimately you might still want it. Mm. Yeah. Something I find interesting about dick pics and society changing. Yeah. Saturday night when I was out, I was with some of my heterosexual friends and we were sitting on the couch. It was like 4 a.m. in the morning. And one of my heterosexual male friends said, do you want to look through my dick pics? Oh, yeah. Mm. Do you just want to see them? Sure. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And so we kind of just flicked through them as yeah. friends. Sure. And there was a level of like body positivity and mm. also like sexual comfort with mm. interacting with a homosexual man on that level. And then he told me something very somber that that photo was taken on the day his father died, which oh. was just made it really weird. But like in retrospect, when I think back on that, I was like, oh, society's got to a point where heterosexual men who were typically some of the least emotional and least comfortable, comfortable mm. people in the world, one of them is sitting on a couch with me at 3 a.m. Mm. and we're like discussing the highlights and the lowlights of his dick pic collection, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, that I think as much as we're talking about the bad stuff that happens with consent and the bad things that straight men do, yeah. in some ways the body positivity and the way it's opening yeah. their minds mm. up to yeah. like, hey, yeah, sexuality is this yeah. fluid thing. It was pretty incredible to share that moment with someone mm-hmm. uh, that would usually be quite intimidating mm. to me. Yeah. There actually, I don't know if it still exists, but there used to be a Tumblr blog. <gasps> Rate my dick. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, oh, yes. I spent yeah. some time okay. on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you use it? Did you I never like... posted, but oh, okay. I definitely, definitely uh, enjoyed reading the uh, comments and reviews. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed my time on that yes. website. <laughs> I made the most of it. <laughs> but that was that was a means for people to get feedback on their yeah. on their dick pics. Anonymously, and so yeah. yeah, exactly. They would send in a pic and be like, critique it, let me know about the lighting, the angle, is there yeah. something mm. I can do to make this better? So to the point that is this normalized? Well, has it become commonplace? Yes. I mm-hmm. think as queer people we can all identify with an unsolicited dick pic, or at least are familiar with the idea enough, right? But is this something that we want to normalize? Is this something that we want Mm. to become normal? And do we actively want to accept this or perpetuate this as part of Mm. the queer or gay dating experience? And so, like, before you were saying, like, obviously everybody experiences dating apps differently depending on how, like, where they are in the gay hierarchy of it all. One thing I was thinking about, because we've spoken a lot about gay men, is how do you feel that, like online dating experiences differ for people who are transgender and like gender diverse people, um, not just online, but in life as well? It's a great question. And I think first and foremost, it's the fact that in mainstream society as gay people, Mm. our identities have largely been validated. Yeah. You know, so we don't have to, as much as there's still a lot of discrimination and certainly people experience harassment and and violence. Yeah. It's, largely, especially here now that it's been two years since the yes vote, hurrah, it's much more socially acceptable to be gay. Mm. Yeah. Whereas if somebody is trans or gender diverse, they might have to explain their identity, Mm. they might have to defend their identity. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's a whole nother level to which they haven't been accepted in greater society. So not only are they searching for love or intimacy or sex like the rest of us, but there's another layer in which they have to defend who they are. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So for trans and gender diverse people, specifically interacting online, Mm -hmm. they might have to specify their pronouns, which our research has actually shown that some people, uh, when interacting with gender diverse people, characterize them as being problematic or difficult for specifying their pronouns online because they're not fitting into, they're not conforming to mainstream society. Also, for for somebody who's trans or gender diverse, it means that they, every time they have to disclose who they are, right? In ways that makes them each time vulnerable to another interaction, Mm -hmm. right? So even though these spaces are assumed to be queer and in many ways, the sexuality of people is assumed as well. Trans and gender diverse people aren't necessarily 
of the same gender, nor are they necessarily of the same sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. They could be straight, they could be agender, yeah, yeah. they could be a romantic, you know, there's there's a lot of diversity within that umbrella of trans and gender diverse. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Another problem for trans and gender diverse people is that people online might ask about their genitals. Mm, like uh, yeah. yeah. If somebody doesn't disclose their pronouns or their trans and gender diverse identity online, if they match with somebody, like let's say on Tinder, if you swipe right on somebody, but then later on they disclose their identity to somebody else, they might be unmatched, Mm -hmm. they might be ridiculed, uh, they might... Harassed. Exactly. They can be targeted in very, very distinct Mm -hmm. ways that as gay people, while we can still be targets of discrimination and violence, these are unique problems that trans and gender diverse people face. Mm. They can be fetishized, Mm -hmm. which is another thing. I'm only seeking trans people because this is my preference. This is something that gets me off. Uh, There can be assumptions about who they are, what they're interested in. And even within the apps themselves, the interfaces... If we think about Tinder again as an example, Tinder is based on a binary gender system. Mm. You're interested in men, you're interested in women, or you're interested in men and women. Mm -hmm. But for gender diverse people, they might not identify as men or women. Mm -hmm. And so not only is it difficult for them to then choose a binary gender that they would Mm. want to identify with online, but then it's also difficult because then how do fi- they find other gender diverse people as well, yeah. Yeah. right? So it's yes. it's a it's a double edged sword in mm. the sense that they can't identify in the ways that they want to, mm. and they can't find the people that they might be interested in. Have you found any apps that particularly comfortable for gender diverse people to use? Mm. Uh, I, I would imagine Tinder would be one of the least comfortable ones, just because of how binary it is, mm-hmm. and Grinder maybe in the middle. But you still get people putting attack helicopter yeah. as their gender on. Yeah. Or like, what are my stuff. pronouns? It's like, yeah. you know. It is like elephant or whatever. Yeah. Like, has your research led to find that there's a specific app that may be uh, a, a safer space for, for our trans uh, brothers and sisters and the, the gender diverse members of our community? Yeah, so I definitely so our research has shown that gender diverse trans and gender diverse people use a variety of apps for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. And while there are still limitations of apps like Tinder and Grinder and the more popular mainstream the ones, mm. they still might use those simply because of the number of people that are available in those spaces, mm-hmm. because of how well known they are and how easy it can be con- to connect. So despite the limitations of the apps, trans and gender diverse people the same way as the rest of us are still using the apps to the best of their ability despite the limitations. Yeah. Okay. That said, you know, there's other apps and social media in general that they can use, whether yeah. that's through Instagram and there used to be a a particular account on Instagram called Lex, now it's called Personals, mm-hmm. but oh. it's specifically developed by queer people of color, by trans people, by gender diverse people, and they're developing a dating app specifically around people who don't fit this mainstream gay idea. Yes. Yeah. There's other spaces as well like our research has shown that They've connected through apps like Her. Mm -hmm. They've connected through uh, Facebook groups, through mutual friends, sometimes uh, through Twitter. You know, there's other spaces, even if they're not conventionally or specifically intended to be dating apps, they might find dating and intimate spaces through other social media. Yeah. Yeah. Is it getting better? Is people's attitudes towards trans and gender diverse people getting better over time? I I just feel like... And look, Grindr is one I use the most. So it's probably the example I keep going back to. But I feel like you used to see people that would use derogatory terms on <laughs> Grindr, even though they were looking for trans people. And yeah. it might be because it was, um, you know, men that that publicly and socially identify as heterosexual that were using the apps, apps to sort of anonymously go looking for trans people and then were mm. using the incorrect terms. I feel like I'm seeing that sort of language a lot less than I used to. And also, Luke, you made a really good point about that when Grindy introduced the um, pronouns thing, which mm-hmm. was a free-form um, text box mm-hmm. where you could put anything in there and people were using that as a bit of a joke to put in, oh, you know, call me a St. Kilda supporter or whatever. Yeah. I feel like what you're a seeing reference. that. What sports, sports reference. <laughs> <laughs> what a guess. I hadn't done one all year. This is our last show for what the year. The I had to get a sports <laughs> reference in. No, but I, I, I feel like you used to see that all the time and I feel like I'm seeing that less and less mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's because I live in inner city Melbourne Melbourne, or if it's because it is, if people are becoming more understanding, are you and blocked being, enough? Or yeah, or yeah. I'm blocking enough. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I don't know if it, if it's getting better or if it's just sort of my perception. It, mm-hmm. Is there research that sort of indicates whether people's language and, and awareness of the language they're using towards trans and gender diverse people in these apps is getting better? 
That's a great question because I don't actually know if there's been a longitudinal study that has yeah. looked at how it's changed over time. But I think that even the fact that there are now options available in Grinder and Tinder and such, mm-hmm. and that other apps like OkCupid really allow for a diversity of sexual orientations and gender options, even the fact that there's spaces now and people are having the conversation, I think that it demonstrates a social movement yeah. Yeah. towards being more open to people of different identities. Can you tell me why the ads on Grinder are always that? Ad oh, where that, you oh, have yeah. to pick whether to put the fire out or the cats and the, <laughs> oh, I you know oh, those all those colors you know they just like drop down and you push a little button and, and you, there just yeah, yeah. Color is there any reason why it's always that one and then i'm always like why would someone pick to put the oil canister on the fire <laughs> but that's the one that yeah. they pick in the ad and that comes up all the time wonder who's really... using this kind of stuff right? yeah like is there just, any uh, study into that i think it's called homescapes <laughs> this little advert that we're putting in like plugging in the in the show it's right great now. it's got 4.89 on the <laughs> we'll return to our regular scheduled programming in 30 seconds oh my. <laughs> yeah so thinking about how people transition from being on the app to in person how consent comes into the picture is something that really depends on the how people understand consent and how they're applying that to their interactions. Would you say also in how flexible their understanding of consent is as well? Yes. Because I think some people mm. picture consent as a black and white thing. Yeah. Other people perceive it as something that can shift at any given moment. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. I'm glad you bring that up because that's actually what I found in my research is that some people actually think about consent as a contract when they go from online to offline. So they think that because we talked about this specific thing online, it has to happen in person. Mm -hmm. Mm. And that if you don't meet this expectation, then you know, you're breaking the contract of what we what we said we were going to do. Yeah, yeah. Other people think about consent as a type of assumption. They use the online interaction as a guideline for how they see their their in-person sexual activity to go, mm. but they don't necessarily have the same types of expectations. Mm. Similarly, for these people that think about consent as an assumption from online to in-person, there's this perception that being explicit about consent mm. is going to ruin the mood. People uh. don't necessarily... No, you can... Oh, please. <laughs> I'm so flattered. Wow. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. by having an assumption that consent is assumed, you don't necessarily have to have an explicit conversation about, do you agree to this? Do you not agree yeah. to this? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so people will just say like, well, they won't even say. When they hook up, they just assume that oral sex being normalized, being something mm-hmm. that's common, is something that you can do without actually considering if somebody wants mm-hmm. it or not. Yeah. Same with mutual mas- masturbation. It's something else that is common enough that you might not actually check if somebody's interested in mm-hmm. doing this. You might just assume, based on the fact that you're meeting up in person, mm-hmm. consent is already... Uh, mm-hmm. You already I've already have, got those ones at least. Exactly. Yes. I already yeah, have yeah. consent for these particular things yes. without being explicit about it. I kind of, like you said, it was some people fear it as being a bit of a boner killer. But one mm. of my favorite things about meeting people in real life and, and the dating experience is when they actually do ask for consent. Yes. Mm. And there's yeah. that cute moment where they say to you, I, I really like you. Yeah. I'm really vibing this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd actually really like to kiss you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, sort of posing that question is yeah. one of my favorite. I could yeah. see that going terribly for some for, scenarios. Yeah, sure. But that to me is like. I'm very mm, much of the same opinion. Like, that's I one of my love favorite things. Asks me straight out, like, has the courage to ask, and I'm more than likely to. Yeah. Like, yeah. So the idea sure. that there's this yeah. perception that you might kill the mood by mm. asking for consent, at least. Personally, I can dispel if you were particularly trying to ask Mm. me or Mikey. If anyone ever is. If anyone (laughs) ever is, then then it's A-OK. And I think there are quite a few men, gay men, that um, I think would agree Mm. with, with that. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for coming in today. Yeah, it's been really, pleasure. It's been really absolutely fascinating. Thank, thank you so you much. Yeah. And if anyone else is like interested in reading up about your research, we will be posting some links in the Facebook group. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you so much for the rest of your research. It's really been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it. It's been this. great. Yeah. Cheers. Mm. We'll see you on Grinder. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up. 
Well, that's it for another week. Yes, well done, like Kyle. You've done a really good job, job this mm. episode. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I feel like we just started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh. Of course, we are about to have a few. Uh, we're going to have a little uh, holiday just for a few yeah. weeks. But uh, if, yeah. you're, if you're really desperate to hear the sound of our voices. You can, you can come s- stalk us. Yeah. The clubs we frequent. <laughs> you can sign up to our Patreon at patreon.com slash gazerevoltingpod. Yes, and can. listen to our after show. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we're going to have a bit of a chat about uh, Twink. And why, you know, is it is it a good word? Is it a bad yeah. word? Uh, why do we hate twinks? Why do we love twinks? <laughs> that sort of thing. Being things. a twink also reminds me of the... Please don't say you're calling yourself a twink right now because you're not. <laughs> being labelled a twink yeah, right. before <laughs> I grew a moustache. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also being Asian. Mm. Did you guys ever hear the story about like the Asian takeaway at the Peel? <gasps> what? what? Was that you? No, what? Like when Asian I first takeaway. got into... When I first got into the gay scene yeah. and, and started hanging out with some really vacuous gay men, okay. yeah. they were like, oh, I can't believe I've never seen you at the Asian takeaway. And I was like, oh, oh what, are you, what are you talking about? And they were like, oh, it's at the end of the night appeal. If you haven't picked up by 4 p.m. Oh. At the at the exit, that's where all the Gaysians hang out. <gasps> and you can just pick up something oh, to take awful. home. And that's the Asian... That's terrible. The Asian takeaway, and it was always the twinks, and it was tied into this. Yeah, like there'll yeah. be some skinny Asian twink there yeah, that yeah, you can right. pick up and take home. So there are these like really microaggressions wow. in like chucking that word around yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> it's good after show content. Plus we have our live shows mm-hmm. coming, coming up. up. Yeah. yeah. Good Sydney Christmas gift if y'all want to get some. Yeah. 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 Tickets. Very last. Minute. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say good. Yeah, I would say a gift. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> give it to somebody you love, or give it to that homophobe at work. Oh. You need to get a Chris Kringle for them. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And if you really miss our show, Carl is the easiest homosexual to find in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. You so can... we're back to mean Luke. <laughs> <laughs> we had a good couple of we weeks, had a good Kyle. <laughs> and another big thanks to Chris for coming in for such a wonderful interview. Fascinating. It was, it was so yeah. good. I remember every part of it. Kyle loved it. <laughs> Love you boys so much. Have a good Christmas. Oh, Don't murder yes. your families. I know it's a very trying know, time for hard. us all. <laughs> <laughs> just drink a lot and just sleep on the couch. With your we'll see you yeah. in the new year. Yeah. Yeah. 2020, bitches. New resolution. 2020 vision. The roaring 20s. <laughs> Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.